The Rough Drafts Podcast is sponsored by Unicorn.com, the world's premier esports betting site. Bet on your favorite games like CSGO, Dota 2, and League of Legends and earn Unicorns through successful bets or use Unicorn's exclusive Connect program where you can earn Unicorns just by playing some of your favorite games. Use your earnings to enter Unicorn's raffles for exciting prizes like Logitech peripherals or CSGO skins. So join Chase and Walter and prove who really is the esports gambling expert. Unicorn.com. Log on today. Walter Cades Fedchuk bringing you, I'm going to call this a very special edition of the Rough Drafts 2017 Spring Split European LCS Guest Alliance uh, podcast because you know what? Much like Dr. Strangelove, I have finally fallen in love with the European LCS. All it took was just this kind of terrible, terrible week on paper uh, to create some excitement. So, Chase. My good friend and co-host, Chase Redshirt King Wassener, I'm good about to you because watching this train wreck was insanely fun because it didn't turn out to be a, a train wreck. It was more like the train hit a jump and did like a 360 and then somehow landed on the tracks and did like a cool like Mountain Dew pose. <laughs> it was kind of it was kind of awesome to watch it. So I need to I needed to defer the floor to you. What what did you think of last week? I, I mean, I enjoyed it. I knew I was going to enjoy it going in. It absolutely lived down to the hype. Uh, you know, if you look at just the way Rock Ad and Origin played out, the actual Clown Fiesta outfits that Deficio and Quickshot had were hysterical. Uh, there was no more fitting way to have uh, to start the week of bad games than having a uh, remake have to come in because of a, of a technical bug that basically cost Giants their series against Vitality. I mean, it had everything we wanted, but the key is that it had one thing that we've been missing, which is an actual three-game series in Europe. You know, North America, we talk all the time about, oh, it's back and forth, and it can look sloppy at times, and, you know, it's very unsure who's good and who's not, but Europe has been so rigid, so clearly, you know, A team is better than B team, which is better than C team, that we haven't really had back and forth series in which it felt like, both teams could win. And whether it was the games, the the kind of lower tier teams played against each other, or even series like G2 versus Splice and Fnatic versus Unicorns of Love, these were close series. These were entertaining series. These were series that whether you were a fan or an analyst, you probably enjoyed watching them. And I think that's something that we have been sorely missing. And it was nice to see that come to the forefront this time around. Uh, absolutely. The, 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 I think the fact that the lower tier matchups were happening was really what made this week entertaining. And I, I stopped looking at this and like, okay, this is going to be a futile showing of League of Legends. There's going to be no macro play. Like, I stopped trying to watch it as an analyst. of like, okay, are these teams good or not? And I'm like, no, these teams are terrible. But I started watching it as entertainment. And I was like, okay, I want to see what happens in Origin versus Rocket. And it took me to that moment of deciding whether to shut my stream off or not when they said Rocket versus Origin up next. It took me that moment of going, well, I could either do anything else on the planet, like build a grill, which is what I did after game one, but I didn't have anything else to do. So I was like, I guess I'll watch games two and three, and I was rewarded with some blisteringly long but entertaining League of Legends, which that was the highlight of my European LCS week, was I built a grill quicker than game one of Rocket versus Origin happened. Chase, what was your up? I, I mean, it's got to be H2K, right? I mean, this is an H2K team that has been getting better and better each week. You know, a little bit, you know, mixed results, we could say, at IEM Katowice, but a, a team that ultimately made it to the semifinals of that event and, and ultimately you know, was proved that they could hold their own against uh, a high-quality team like Flash Wolves. And since they returned back to the EU LCS, 
they've just been on a rampage. This is a team that has such a clear identity, and it's the same identity that it's been basically this whole year. Draft a composition that can snowball early, let Yankos do his thing, work around your winning lanes, take the couple objectives that you need, and just close the game out. But the way that they're doing it is so formulaic, so clearly marked out, and teams can't stop it. Even when they know it's coming, they can't deal with it. Misfits is the best early game team in the league. They have the highest early game rating of any team in the league. And H2K completely neutralized their early game and basically said, we're at the 20-minute mark now. Can you deal with us? And the answer was no. No Misfits could not, especially in game two, which was the more impressive of the two victories. But this is just a, a sign that H2K is really putting it together from all angles. You know, back at the beginning of the split, we were talking about how Nuclear and Che were overperforming and we were seeing them as a bot lane, you know, step up in a way that you and I did not predict heading into the split. But nowadays you're seeing Oduwamne look so much more comfortable on some of these carry top laners. You're seeing Fabiven very comfortable in this meta. Syndra is exactly the thing that he was waiting to come back into the scene. And, and he now looks so happy as a result. And this is still a very friendly meta for playmaking junglers like Yankos. He has no problems shifting to Graves rather than to the Kha'Zix or the Rengar that used to be the most popular of the champions. Not that those aren't around, but he, he basically... Everything that you would want a juggler to play is exactly what you would ideally want Yankos to be doing. So yeah. it's just this perfect storm of, you know, the team improving and the meta working out and having a, a, a strategy and a win condition that is so airtight that even really talented teams that are prepared and know what's going to happen weren't able to stop it. And that to me is, has got to be the high for this week. So, so the Odo Omni point, I think it is very... Uh, poignant because to me he, he's always a player that he can play both styles but when it's in this murky area where like both styles are you can play a tank or a carry that's to me where he seems to struggle yes. because he bounces back and forth between too much he's he really feels like that car that car that your dad has that's been like sitting out in the garage and it used to run beautifully back in like the 70s when you know he was like 20 years old and was always working on it but ever since he had kids like he barely brings it out and like once you all graduate and you leave and it's just him and your mom home alone and he retires, like the first six or seven times it takes that car out, you know, the clutch sticks, the, you know, the, the stick isn't quite right. Like, but the more you use it, like all of a sudden it gets back to that glory of being that, you know, 70s muscle car where it's just roaring down the road. That's Oduwamne to me where it just takes some time once he shifts back and forth into these different metas, and he's got to warm up. He's got to get used to it. The oil has got to go through the engine, and then he, you know, he really figures it out. Uh, my up for this week, because Chase is too much of a coward to say it, is Wadded. Oh, no. Wadded, maybe it wasn't great League of Legends. How dare but you? Wadded genuinely <laughs> was entertaining to watch and had some moments where he did not care if he died. He's like, I am going to engage here. My team is going to follow it up. I'm going to flash forward and mouth this person. And 60% of the time it worked. 40% of the time it didn't. But I need to shout out Wadid because out of everyone in the LCS minus Heva, he was the one I was like, this might be the worst player in the European LCS. This might be the worst player ever. I am getting, I'm getting praise and uh, Parang and Ray's flashbacks. Like this might just not work out. He's going to be this year's vitality. Has some personality, but just and he is he has proven that he is a that he is a eighth or ninth support in the LCS. Which some guys you can you can get away with it. It's if he can maintain that level of of consistency across the board. Like they brought up on the cast, he's like, oh, he doesn't die by himself, which is perhaps the most mind boggling thing of like a bad support is they get caught out. They just get caught out when they're walking around. And maybe it's just that he never leaves his AD carry, and that's part of his problem, is he never really roams and never really gets down vision. But I don't know. He kind of impressed me. And I don't want to say all of Rockat because all of Rockat did not impress me. But Wadid and, and Kjarnan, to, to a greater extent, kind of did this week. Um, Chase, 
are are you gonna say Rocket is down even though they went two zero? Like that seems no. kind of like a Rocket thing to do. Like yeah, they went two zero, but they shouldn't have won. They should have just gone for you know zero and whatever and just been the worst team ever in LCS history. Yada yada yada. So no. who, who or what was your down for the week? I mean, I I have mixed feelings about Rocket's success, which I'll get to when we talk about them later on. But my my down this week has got to go to. Just the entirety of how the Vitality Giant series was handled. You never want a series to be determined by, you know, a, a bug in this way. But the way they handled it in this particular situation was just awful. The pause went on for forever. Uh, it was very unclear who the disadvantaged team was. Uh, in terms of how the bug was given. You can make a very good case that both teams were disadvantaged, but the rules state that only the disadvantaged team has to, you know, take the remake in order for the game to be remade. So that was weird. It was weird that they didn't offer to postpone the series because obviously uh, we were so far into game two and it was such a clear victory in game two. I mean, obviously it wasn't a hundred percent. Nothing ever is when we're talking about a team like Giants, but it was as definitive as you get. Yeah, like, it, literally, you have a, a Sunday set of games. You're already going into the studio on Sunday. Why not just do it as the second series on Sunday? Like, there's no reason that you should force Giants, after as long a pause as there was, to have to go right back into Game 2 and Game 3. Of course they're going to lose that series. They're going to lose that series 100% of the time. I've coached a team before. There was a 0% chance the Giants were going to bounce back from that. And you can say all you want, Riot Casters, who I'm going to call out here. And look, Pira, I love you, buddy. I hated seeing people give you a hard time. But the way the cast handled that was unacceptable. Just the entire lack of compassion and understanding for the situation that Giants was in. You know, the get over it thing is it does not an acceptable answer for that particular situation. There are a lot of things that need to be rewritten in the Riot rulebook in terms of how these remakes are handled that were just not present in this case. And, you know... I'll give it to the refs. They follow the rules as they were written, and the rules do say that you have some actual wiggle room rather than having to follow the strict letter of the law, but they fell back on the letter of the law. That's never going to be on them. But the refs never should have been in that situation. The riots' rules should have, you know, taken into account the clear mental effect that this kind of situation is going to have on a team. And, and, and the casters really needed to just take a step back and understand what they were actually saying because it was incredibly... I, I can't imagine what it was like listening to that cast if you were a Giants fan. It was frustrating for me to listen to as a coach who has seen my team get tilted by things like that. There was a 0% chance that this was going to be a fair series from that point forward. And when that's the case, Riot screwed so, up. So so here, here are my issues with it. One, the, the way that the Riot casters the front-facing employees handled it was absolutely atrocious yes and pira and quickshot and all of them should actually be ashamed for how they dealt with the broadcast G give tashba a little bit of credit the host on the uh, on the eu side he was the only one who actually stuck up for giants so i, I want to give him but, that but credit it's, but it's the not, rest of riot was a big problem i just want it's to not a matter of that. sticking up for giants and i'm going to just steal it from axelor he he said we're professionals. Like, if you watch the video, it's heartbreaking to watch him talk about it. You, you mean Memento. Memento, sorry. Memento. It's absolutely heartbreaking to watch Memento talk about it. Yeah. It, is, it breaks my heart to watch him talk about it. But he says it himself. He's like, we are professionals, and, and we shouldn't have let it get to us. Like, I agree with that sentiment. My issue with the entire thing is not the refs, they went with the letter of the law, and technically they are correct. You could be down 50,000 gold against Faker, and until he kills your nexus, the game isn't over. They followed whatever the guidelines are in the rule book. Giants hadn't met them, so they they did a remake. The, the biggest issue I have with all of this is that for 25 minutes, no talking. Yep. That is the problem that I absolutely have with all of Riot's decisions whenever they do pauses, is that the players are not allowed to talk. And I think part of that is what then goes into the mindset. But Memento yeah. said it himself. I'm sitting in 25 minutes of silence. I'm stuck in my own head. I can't talk to my teammates. I can't plan what's going on next. Like, in no real sport do you call a timeout or an injury timeout and tell everyone, shut the hell up, don't talk. I, I can under... There is no reasonable explanation for why in that technical pause, players should not be allowed to talk to each other. Absolutely. Zero. None. There is nothing Riot can do unless they say, well, 
they can hear the announcers and that gives away information and we don't want them to talk about that information, Man. which then is a concession by, which would then be a concession by Riot that, oh, our soundproof headsets don't freaking work. Maybe we should build booths, which is something that I can promise you no one from Riot will actively ever say, meaning I back them into a corner. Someone from Riot give me an explanation for why they shouldn't be allowed to talk. I'm waiting. Yeah. Because there is no goddamn reason for it. It's, None. It's Zip. insane. And, and the whole thing with the, the with their refusal to even talk about implementing soundproof booths has been a problem for forever now. And this is where we are. Now we saw a, a team and, and in a series that mattered. Like, Giants Gaming are now looking at this. They are tied with Rocket in the standings. And as a Rocket fan, I mean, it, it helped me out. I'm not going to lie. You know, there's I, I now have hope in a split in which I would have otherwise not had any realistic way to, to imagine Rocket not being relegated. But this is the worst way to do it, man. Like this is this is the exact opposite of, of what you you want if you're a competitor, if you're someone who wants to see the best teams figure it out. Just unacceptable from start to finish. The consequences are going to ring for for a long time now, especially as we get into this week's match, which is now or do or die of when it's uh, when Rocket goes up against Giants. So, yeah. I, I can't think of anything that's going to be a bigger down than that for probably the rest of the split. Well, this joke might be a little too soon, but Giants weren't the only losers this weekend. Once again, Europe has decided to slay the beast that is our smart money bets. Uh, we went 0-2 last week. This drops us back down to minus 245. Uh, Chase... Just a question. Why did we not take Rocket versus Origin to go three maps at plus 105? Did, I, do we remember why? No. I I have zero recollection or understanding. I don't even have the line written down, which tells you how much I just mentally goofed on that. I will say, I don't feel bad about betting on H2K and Misfits to go to three maps. That, that, that should like have something. been a closer series. Yeah, I I don't think there's any way you can anticipate that H2K was going to be that much better. Um, the, the G2 getting the two over splice, I think was something that I wish I'd been confident enough to assert was not a good idea. Uh, I think splice, I was, I was glad they proved me wrong, but man, oh man, we left some value on the table there and we're not, we're not doing it this week, guys. This week we're taking the lessons we just learned and we're going to try to get some value for you guys, which inevitably of course means it'll go horribly wrong, but Hey, what can we'll you go do? 2-0 in Europe and 0-3 in North America. It's kind of our <laughs> calling card. Speaking of going 0-2, Orion versus Vitality. Orion officially with a new starting jungler in Syncroft. Uh, he will be replacing Wisdom. Wisdom has decided to flee the country because he doesn't want to deal with Xpeke's mom's cooking anymore. Uh, <laughs> enjoy your bimbap in Korea, buddy. You deserve it. And I hope you find another uh, another team that's willing to take a chance on you because Origin did nothing for your career. And also, uh, two substitutes will be joining them. A substitute support whose name I, I can't remember. It was kind of long and complicated anyways. And Cyanide will be joining as the official jungle sub, uh, hopefully to teach Syncroft how to hold, Cy uh, to hold Xpeke's hand appropriately in public. Chase. Yes. Vitality probably should have lost the Giant series. Yes. And they lost to Rocket 2-0. Yes. What needs to happen for Origin to get their first series win? I mean, when we saw Origin doing well, and, and well meaning that they actually took a game here and there, the number one thing we could point to was Nahum. Nahun is the guy who has been the most consistent player on the team. He is the mid laner that, you know, he looks the most comfortable, you know, in this particular meta of everyone on the team. You know, Tabs is okay on a good day. I, I think that having Xpeke rather than Heva has been a, a mild upgrade in the sense that uh, the flu is a minor upgrade from Mono. So, you know, yeah, great. Congratulations, Xpeke. You now get to be the worst support in, in Europe still, but not as bad as Eva. I I mean, look, if, if Origin's going to win this, it's going to be because Syncroft is a better player than one would imagine from being on a decent Spanish-level challenger team. Not a challenger series team, not a te you know, not the top Spanish team, 
in in the in the Challenger series. No, no, no. The Spanish League, so the level below the Challenger series, and he was okay. He was he was decent for that level of play. That does not inspire me with a lot of confidence. That is a change that feels like it's being made for the sake of making a change. We've now isolated Nehune from his Korean friend. Remember, Nehune is only on this team because Wisdom duo queued with him a few times and said, hey, he might be a good fit. Now Nehune has no friends left on the team. Uh, I, I don't know what the plan is. I, I don't think there is one. I, th I think the side lanes are going to continue to be an absolute mess. And unfortunately for, for them, the one thing that Vitality seems to be doing all right with nowadays is the top lane. Cabochard seems to have gotten himself back on track. And that's fine. I have huge problems with the rest of this team. I think that Nukeduck's been a mixed bag at best. I think AOD really wants to fight Xpeke for that worst support title in, in Europe right now. I think Steelback looks like a shell of his former self in terms of how he team fights. I have no idea what GBM's doing, right? Wasn't this the guy that was supposed to come in and, and compete for the jungle job and then the mid lane job and then the support job? What's the point of having GBM on this roster? How could it be worse than the product that we're seeing? How bad is GBM? How have we gotten to this point? This is, I mean, these are rosters that are, are thrown together with bits and pieces and something that resembles a team. And the only thing that Vitality really has going for them is that at least there are some veterans here that will provide some stability. And those veterans happen to be playing the role that they're actually supposed to be playing. Right now, that's enough. But I think these are the two worst teams in Europe right now. And I think I... That that's, that's just where we are. I, I would agree with you. My issue with Vitality is they seem to be getting Kabushard these leads and then they don't know what to do. Yeah, well, closing That's is a whole other problem, Walter. <laughs> They're just like, well, because one or two things are going to happen. Kabushard has a lead. He is now just going to bully his opponent and he is going to split push the enemy team to death. Or they're going to send their entire team up to stop him and you literally take any objective that's open on the map and Vitality just doesn't seem like they get Kabushard ahead and then it's like they're playing two separate games. They forget that Kabushard exists in the game and they start these team fights and are like, oh, Kabushard, come join us, come join us, come join us. And he's like, why? Why would I join you? We're not going to win this team fight. But he joins because that's what a good little soldier does. I, I totally agree with you. This team is just, just awful. And it really must say something if GBM can't play. Yeah. It must really, really say something. Maybe it has to do with he just doesn't speak good enough English to interact with the other players on the team. Uh, maybe it's just that Nuke Duck is threatening Irene's life if he attempts to bench him. <laughs> like, I I don't know. I think the bright spot on this team has been Joko, in all honesty. I don't think Cabo Shard's played all that well up until the last week or so. I mean, and Joko tries. I guess you got to give him Joko that. Joko at least tries. Like, he's not a great jungler, but he is trying his bloody heart out mm -hmm. to do anything. Like, there's a reason this guy has a... a is up there in first blood percentage. Mm -hmm. Like, let's look at him. Yep, 57% first blood percentage. That's still nine points ahead of Kakao, who's in second, and GBM's three games don't count. Like, I just, I feel really bad for him because he's a young player, he's in a terrible situation, and uh, it's not doing much for the longevity of his career. But I certainly think he's the best player on this roster. Chase, where did you put the line? I had the line at Vitality minus 200 because Origin's just that bad. Well, I'm going to take this one. I'm oh. going to start off the week nice and strong here. I went Vitality minus 250. It is Vitality minus 238. Okay. Yeah. What's the Origin there? Origin is at plus 175. And Chase, three maps, is at plus 110. Oh, God. How are we getting plus odds for that? I mean, Unicorn, thank you, but what? <laughs> How in the world? Like, what are the odds that either one of these teams is good enough to close this out in two games? That's absurd value. Okay, cool. Well, we're going to write that one down. I have back it written to that down. Later. I'll probably come back to that. <laughs> Next one. The surging Rocket Cats, I guess. The surging Rockets against Fnatic who uh, seem to be in a tailspin, if, if I do say so myself. Yeah. Uh, Chase, what's wrong with Fnatic? I mean, 
there's a lot wrong with Fnatic, but the biggest problems come down to drafting, which they're still terrible, and Broxa, who does not fit with this team at all. And I don't know whether this is a Broxa problem or this is a team chemistry problem. It's hard to tell because so much of the jungler's job is based off of ganking the right lanes at the right time, which requires communication, and we're not hearing their comms. But whatever's supposed to be going on in the early game, it ain't happening. This is not a team that looks coordinated in any sense of that word. You've got Reckless, who's holding his own in the bot lane admirably. I, I think someone put it best when uh, on Reddit when they said that Reckless is a great number two option, but should really never be your number one guy. And he's been doing that number two, number three kind of option really well. But that's not enough to win a game. And, you know, Soaz has his up and downs. That's always going to be the case. But at the end of the day, the combination that needs to work is Broxa and Caps. And there is like a negative amount of chemistry. It's like an anti-chemistry. Like it just seems like the two of them have no idea what the other one needs in terms of timing, in terms of when they should be moving into the lane and trying to get that lane ahead, which is a huge problem because so much of the way that Fnatic plays in terms of where they try to put their resources and where they want to, you know, how, what champion they want to have as the focal point in teamfights you know, so much of that they put into Caps, and they say, Caps, you're our star mid laner. You're the guy that should be carrying the system. And just to clarify something, because I've seen some people, you know, maybe miss this point in the comment section every now and then. But the problem with Caps is not necessarily, you know, the fact that they're not trying to give him resources. They're certainly trying to give him resources. It's very clear that's the one guy that they're playing for. The problem is they're putting him in a terrible position if your goal is to have him succeed. Why, Nico the Pico, why is it so hard to last pick or at least get a counter pick for your mid laner? What is so hard about this? If that's the key, if that is your win condition, if that is the person that you say, this is baby faker, we're playing through him, he's going to be carrying us through, why are you letting him get picked into counter matchups every single draft? It's exhausting. It's infuriating. It's just this... Completed utter disconnect versus the team philosophy on the Rift and the way they're preparing during this pick and ban phase. I've never seen anything quite like it. It's it's like they're the two groups that are, are running the in-game operations and the pick and ban are from completely different planets, perhaps kept in separate rooms, never communicating with each other. I I mean, it's it's hard to find a team that is more mismanaged right now than Fnatic. And you know, the good news for Rocket is that means that they have a chance to be competitive in this. I, I think the problem Rocket's going to have outside of all of the problems that Rocket has is that Faxi just looks bad. Like the Faxi experiment has gone on long enough. I think, I, you know, we're all ready to, to admit that that is a huge problem, which means that Soaz should be able to pick his carry top laners and, and get away with some things, you know, I, I would imagine Rocket is going to try to play through the Maxlor-Betsy synergy, which, you know, if, if anyone should have been on your ups when it came to Rocket, I think it would have been Maxlor. Maxlor did a, a great job of reminding us why he and Knight were so successful on Giants Gaming by really emphasizing, you know, getting Betsy ahead. And, and in the games in which they were able to do that, those were the games in which Rocket was the most successful. And then Kjarnan could just do the only thing Harden knows how to do, and that's clean up team fights when the rest of his team's already initiated. So, you know, is it out of play for Rocket to take a game off of Fnatic? No, I think it's in play. I think that Fnatic should still be the favorites, and if you're Fnatic, I mean, this is your bounce-back opportunity, guys. This is your chance to basically solidify your playoff spot and then you can take the next couple of weeks and do nothing but just workshop this team and figure out how to get Broxa to do what you need him to do for your system. And it's just a matter of whether Fnatic's going to take advantage of it. I have listen, huge question marks with them, but... Listen, Caps, all you got to do is ask Eddie Curry what it's like to be a baby. That's all you got to ask. Babies yeah. are not typically very successful. In fact, when the most successful baby in real sports is probably Big Baby Davis... And that was just because he played the jockstrap carrier to Kevin Garnett's Boston Celtics run. I mean, it probably wasn't a good look to come out. I'm all for being, you know, having some cockiness, having some charisma, being a little bit young and full of yourself. But 
No one calls themselves baby Michael Jordan. Like, yeah. that's not a thing. You let other people make that comparison for you, and you never had touched one of the major region screen, uh, major region stages before. And I don't think you did enough in Turkey to warrant this sort of comparison to Faker. Yeah, well, um, just remember, this is the same guy who came after people saying that I'm going to ruin your career because I'm so important now that I'm in the LCS. So yeah. maybe this guy isn't the personality that you'd want to throw into a team and say, by the way, we want to fuel your ego 24-7 for the next eight weeks. Hope that's okay. Like I said, uh, Fnatic has mismanaged this situation so thoroughly that it's honestly difficult to believe this is the same Fnatic that we once used to praise for the Fnatic system, for the ability to constantly bring people in and be a place that everyone wanted to play for. I don't know why you'd want to play for Fnatic right now. I, I don't well, get it. The one thing is Fnatic does have to play, and I think that Soaz does give them a massive advantage over Faxi. They can always yes. just go Soaz, play Gangplank, and, and win us the game. Where do you see the line on this, Chase? Oh, t to be clear, I have uh, Fnatic at minus 280. I still think Rockat's a bad team, and I think Fnatic is... Eh, but well, that's better than bad. Well, the uh, the casinos are going to agree with you. I tried to give Rockat a little bit more credit. I put Rockat at minus two fifty. It's Fnatic minus four thirty five. Wow. Okay. So what's three that? Three maps. Rockat uh, Rock is at plus two ninety, and three maps is at plus one thirty. Wow. Yeah, little little bit of value there. Yeah. I, I I think was, it's very hard to imagine Fnatic pulling off a clean 2-0 at this point in their in their arc. Yeah, but the difference between Faxi and Soaz is like as large as that line difference is. Like I, that's purely <laughs> just a top lane matchup. It's like, oh, they have Soaz and they have Faxi. Oh boy. Yeah, and then Reckless versus Hjarnin. I'm aware of the problems, Walter. <laughs> I mean, I'm not fooling myself. I'm just plus 130's uh more value than I expected on that bet value there fanatic's uh, a problem yeah. now now because we're done with cross group play now we get into two matches that really have some heft to them oh yeah the first of which being the unicorns of love versus h2k gaming unicorns <sighs> of love have sort of been stumbling uh the last couple weeks they sort of took care of business against fanatic in it wasn't the cleanest of series, but it definitely looked a little bit better than what we had been seeing previously. Um, if anything, the loss was just more there's a huge gap between Samix and Reckless, which, I mean, anyone could have told you that. I mean, the loss was because they kept running themselves headfirst into a brick wall over and over again and expecting a different sure. result. That was the loss. I mean, sure. you had a, a mid-game team. You have all three inhibitors down. There is zero excuse for losing that game. Exile's positioning in that game was terrible. And Exile, in general, he is too important as a, as a central member of this team to be making those kind of sloppy mistakes. That was what cost them game one. And, and honestly, it's that same sloppiness has been what's been defining... Unicorns of Love slide for a while now. This is, uh, you know, Visit Chachi is the guy that they've always tried to center their playmaking around, and he's now kind of overextending whenever he's in lane, and particularly now that split push top laners are back in the meta. There are a lot of opportunities for him to get caught out, and he happens to meet just about every one of them right now, which, to be fair, like, if he draws a whole bunch of people away, he pulls that SOAS style, hee hee hee, I pulled three members of the enemy team and they're all gonna chase me, and sure, I'll give up one kill, but the rest of my team will take a tower on the other side of the map. That works fine against weak teams. And Fnatic did not play well in that series, and still managed to make this a three-game series, and managed to keep some of those games a lot longer than you would expect. I mean, even... The game three, like, that should have been closed out far more easily. That was a, a sloppy mess of a thing in which Reckless and Soaz were able to to really keep Exile down quite a bit. Um, and, and that really, at the end of the day, you know, Unicorns of Love are going to have to figure out, you know, one, 
how do we fix the Vizichachi problem? You know, do we decide that, you know, this is an acceptable loss and we just have to be more efficient at rotating it and taking advantage of it? Or is this something that against good teams we have to really reconsider because that's not as likely to be successful? Uh, you know, exile, is, are these positioning mistakes that are going to continue to happen in team fights? Because if so, you know, then we need to start thinking about a different set of mid laners for him. Maybe the immobile mid laners like Syndra are just not built for his skill set. That's in play at this point, and we, we need to take a th uh, thought on that. And Hillisang, I mean, we still haven't figured out what supports in this meta he can play. I think his Zillion was the best he's looked in a while, and that's not particularly ideal. I mean, and, and look, uh, you know, Unicorns of Love fans, I, I love the rainbow. I, I admit I'm straying a bit from the, the light as far as the way uh, I, I'm viewing Unicorns of Love nowadays. I'm more critical of their mistakes because I think that the top three teams have just gotten better since the split started. I think that H2K and Misfits have improved quite a bit, and while G2 maybe hasn't improved, they're still the champs, and they still took Unicorns of Love out multiple times already. So, you else gotta fix some things. Here's the difference. The reason that Misfits and G2 are so successful against Unicorns of Love is because the way to beat Unicorns of Love is to give them as few options make plays as possible right it is a sit back on my heels sit back on my laurels and choke them out because they need to be making plays that is how they they are successful is playmaking it's cleaning up these team fights it's creating these advantage situ advantageous situations these 3v2s these 2v1s all over the map because of and just blind. Like, their warding is atrocious. But somehow they do this because they do. They group up. They rotate around in, you know, three-man clumps, two-man clumps all over the place. Right. And they replace vision with just sheer numbers. The difference between H2K and G2 and Misfits is H2K plays literally the exact same style as Unicorns of Love, just with more wards. They are not a team that's going to sit back on their laurels and wait and wait and wait and then snap the trap and end the game. They are very much a team that wants to skirmish, that wants to fight, that wants these 2v2 duels in the topside jungle, that want these moments where both supports move up into mid lane and there's a skirmish you know, inside that one river bush on the bot hand side. That is why I don't think you can compare unicorn like the losses that Unicorns of Love had to G2 and Misfits the same way that they could potentially lose or beat H2K. This is going to be a five-minute first blood every single game. That just didn't happen against G2 and Misfits for Unicorns of Love. It just didn't happen. And it didn't. They just sat in their lanes and did nothing, and that's not H2K's style. So I think Unicorns of Love is built in a way that can be, it, it, like, that is much more suitable for H2K than it is for G2 and Misfits. So I'm not as worried about this series. I am... Well I, I mean, I, I want to counter that a little bit because I, I think you need to look at how H2K played against Misfits versus how Unicorns of Love played against Misfits. Mm -hmm. Because H2K, yes, the, the idea is the same. You want to snowball an early lead and take that to, to win the fights that you need in order to close out the game. But H2K's rotations are just so much cleaner. You know, they're, they're more willing to have extended sure. laning phases because they have a lot more faith that Oduwamne and Fabivan will just win their lanes straight up, whereas Unicorns of Love are constantly depending on roams to find those advantages. Mm -hmm. That's why when Exile isn't playing as mobile of a mid laner, the offense falls off a bit. Yeah, and, I agree with and, that. And that's, and that's a huge distinction because it means that, well, Unicorns of Love you know, have the same aggressive style, their moves are always going to be more choreographed than H2K's moves are, because H2K can play a standard game for a bit, and then suddenly Yankos comes popping out of a bush, and you're just dead. And if your warding isn't perfect, and Unicorns of Love, as you mentioned, is far from perfect when it comes to warding, that's a huge concern. And I, I think that right now, the other thing you have to consider is that the last time they played, the meta was not very favorable to what H2K wanted to do. Oduamne looked off. Fabivan didn't look particularly comfortable with the mid laners. He was forced to play. This is much more in H2K's wheelhouse. And in the same way, the meta's kind of shifted away from the things that Unicorns of Love were previously strong at. So I am worried about them in this series. I think this could be a 2-0 for H2K unless Unicorns of Love are willing to go to the drawing board and say, look, we understand that the... the mechanics at play, the strategy that we have come up with, this tempo-oriented playstyle, can work. It can be effective. 
but we need to have another way to handle it. We need to find another way to get tempo rather than having to convert all of our resources towards these one or two skirmishes, because then if those don't work out, we're dead in the water. And I think Unicorns of Love right now, I mean, that's, that's what they've got to be focusing on. And H2K probably is certainly smart enough to recognize all of the things that we've mentioned so far on this episode. I am, uh, I, I think H2K are the favorites here. I have it at minus 140. I do think it's going to be close, but I am, uh, I am worried about Unicorns of Love far more so than I am about H2K in this series. Well... The, uh, the casinos agree with you. I'm going to take this point because I said H2K minus 150. The casinos are slightly more worried. It is H2K minus 164. Okay. Putting Unicorns of Love at plus 125. Uh, for it to go three maps is plus 100. Uh, so for an H2K uh, 2-0, it is uh, uh, plus 185. Okay. Which I- I'm... I'm not confident in the two. Stay away! We just came up with two value bets I feel 100% more confident on than anything we just named. Just, no, don't, don't do this. Unicorns of Love are almost, they almost have to bounce back at some point. You know, they, they have too many good moving pieces to be down for too long. And H2K is kind of overdue for a stinker, right? Like, it's been a while since we had that classic H2K, oh my god, we got super cocky and arrogant, and that part of us was a big team fight. Yeah, like, there's gotta be a moment when that happens, and it's been long enough that I I think it's a big enough concern. I would stay away from that series, but uh, I I do think that line is fair. Let's uh, let's keep going. Yes, G2 versus Misfits. G2 are 9-0. They are rolling on their way into the finals. Misfits are at 7-2. and two. Uh, They're pretty much locked in as they're going to be the two seed uh, coming out of Group A. So they'll be playing the three seed out of Group B, which could be either Splice or Unicorns of Love. Maybe Vitality if something really, really wacky happens. Um, so this is more of a just getting more practice against G2 and trying to figure out, okay, how do we beat them for the finals? Right. What is Misfits' path to victory on Friday. Well, it starts with keeping Alfari safe because the first thing that G2 are going to do is they're going to uh, put expect on some sort of tanky top laner and encourage Alfari to overextend on uh, on some of the more aggressive things that he, he likes to do. I-, I think that they made a mistake against H2K in that they put him on tanks and he's going to lose that battle every time. But if they can get Alfari ahead and they can put resources in that lane and, and really force Expect to be on the back foot, that's going to help quite a bit. Uh, the second thing you've got to do is you've got to keep Perks roams to a minimum. Uh, in you know games two and three against Splice, Perks just went on these assassins and just started tearing people apart. And that's exactly the Perks that... I loved to praise over the last year. You know, this is, you know, he is at his best when he is roaming and his aggressive tendencies can be put to good use. And Zed and Ari are perfect for that. So that means if you're misfits, you have to be very aware that even though you're used to being the team that in the early game is the one making these plays, you either have to succeed right away before, you know, these assassins get to that level six point in which the the burst damage is possible or you have to really shell up and, and be willing to turtle for a bit and hope that you can carry yourselves uh, after those champions kind of scale uh, scale out. I, I think that, you know, Splice in Game 1 showed the best possible version of this. You know, Wonder got ahead on the Renekton. You saw Senkux, uh, you know, on the Victor, was able to, to take out perks on a more traditional mid laner in Cassiopeia. And then Kabi, you know, you, what do you do on Sevri? You just hit R and you win. I, I think that Misfits is going to try to recreate some of that. I, I think a lot of it's going to come down to, you know, can they get Kakao 
going? Can they get him rolling on an aggressive champion that can put G2 back, or is Trick going to be able to out-jungle him and kind of force him onto the defensive at every turn? Is Ignar going to play like the Ignar that I was used to seeing, or is he going to play like he did last week, where he's just getting caught out for absolutely no reason? No idea what happened to Ignar's positioning in that game. Felt like he was forcing things a lot. Um, and you can't have that kind of impatience against G2. G2 will punish it every time. So so I, I think there's there's some drafting things where there are some clear paths for, for misfits. And I think that, you know, the uh, patience will certainly help a lot in that regard. But ultimately, G2 is really good at League of Legends. You know, Sven is one of the better Ezreals in the LCS, if not the best Ezreal in the LCS. And Ezreal is now the most popular AD carry. That sucks if you're anyone not named G2. That is a terrible situation to be it in. It would! It would! It would! But one of the legendary Ezreal counterpicks is Draven. I mean, it's in play. I would love to see that. But if you're going to do that, Ignar has to play better than he did last That's week. True. That is, an, like, you cannot play Draven and have your support get caught out. So, you know, there, there are clear paths. And I think that it's in play. I think that the most important thing for Misfits is just what the, can they learn from this? What can they take and apply to their playoff run? Because they're not going to have to play G2 until theoretically the finals. So, you know, if, assuming that they, they can't take care of business from this point forward and, and wrap things up. So if that's the case, well, you better learn every little bit that you can and hope to bank on the theory that we bring up all the time, which is it's really hard to beat a team three times in a row. And misfits have shown that they can absorb information. They can learn from it. So this will be a learning experience. I think G2... Are, are still going to be the favorites, and I have it at minus 160 for them. Uh, Draft-wise, it definitely feels like a like expect picks Nautilus against Elfari's Renekton-type choices. Jungle yes. feels like it'll probably be like Graves and Lee Sin and like Elise. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Rengar. I'm, I'm not sure if it gets through ban phase, but I think those other three are kind of like the triumvirate that Kakao and Trick want to play. And then mid lane, I kind of hope Orianna is back from Misfits. Because I think you're right. I think G2 is definitely going to play, like, Zed, Ari, Echo. And I trust Power of Evil to play, like, Orianna into it. Just for fun facts, I, I checked on esports wikis to see if uh, Power of Evil had ever played Zillion competitively. Because that is a, that is a like, Bjergsen special of, like, a counter-assassin. is like, yeah. I'm just going to play Zillion. I like it. It seems like it would fit in Power of Evil's wheelhouse. Never played Zillion. Ugh. He's never played Zillion before. That's disappointing. So, well, what also is going to be disappointing is that you lose another point. Oh, no. I'm up three to one as it stands uh, currently. I said G2 minus 180. Drumroll, please. G2 minus 345. Oh, wow. What? Very, very disappointing what? for Misfits who sit at plus 245. Whoa. Uh, what? Wait. Wait. No, though. But... What? I, I don't have words for that. I'm just trying, like... What's the line for three maps, Walter? Line for three maps on this is... Uh, plus 120. Yeah, um... Huh. I don't get that line in the slightest. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I would pick Misfits at plus 240... I mean... Well, let me be fair. Plus 245 is insane value for Misfits. It would require me to bet against G2, and I'm not sure I want to do that. Oh, and that's why right there is because the the casino unicorn is going, like... They're begging G2, you to take Misfits, right? G2 basically only loses at international competition. Um, I get there's a couple Koreans on Misfits, but that's not... This is still Europe. You don't, you don't doubt the kings of Europe. And at this point, G2... <sighs> Are the Triple H of the European LCS? They, you just, it, it's done. Are we sure like, G two goes fourteen or no? Like, do they have a perfect season? If if Misfits doesn't beat them, yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, like if if, you, I, yeah, if they're I, going to lose a series, this is the series they lose. I don't see it. I don't. I don't see Misfits having a way. They to are beat begging you to take that line. I, okay. I just don't, I don't see Misfits beating them twice out of three games. Like, G2 can play out of any one of their lanes and their jungler. 
So if one thing doesn't work, if playing Nautilus into Renekton doesn't work for G2, they can always just go, okay, we'll play carry, you know, we'll try and force him onto a, a tank top later and play carry into it. Like, G2 is just incredibly flexible when it comes yeah. to playing against European competition. So, no, I, I wouldn't bet against them at all. I wouldn't even take three maps because there's just a chance that Misfits doesn't have the right strategy and it's, a, you know, two 35-minute games and G2 is going home happy. I mean, they have free, they're, they're free and clear the rest of the way. My argument for three maps would be that G2 tends to spend game one letting the enemy team pick whatever they want so that games two and three they can counter it. That's something that uh, G2 oh, is proven. TSM, got it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the exact same strategy. And what do you mean old TSM, first of all? How dare you? <laughs> like, that's... How else like, do you explain all the reverse sweeps that they've done? That's this like, year! This year! They still do this. Uh, but, like, I mean... I, I don't know. I uh, I think that line is, is too high, but I'm also too much of a wimp to go for it. So, uh, yeah, let's just I'm, move I'm on. Not touch, I'm not touching it. The battle of... The... Summer split LCS spot, Rocket yeah. versus Giants. This is now incredibly important. This is a game. This is I incredibly don't. important. <laughs> so, Chase, why do Rocket lose this series? Look, I um I I, I think I should sum it up the way that I summed it up to uh to Sean O'Connor, our friend who does the uh you know, is is in the Unicorns of Love International fan club. Like, being a Rocket fan and watching them go 2-0 this week is kind of like when you own a dog and you love the dog. And it's a dog that you've loved for a long time, but, you know, the dog's getting old and he's getting sick and you can tell that the dog's in pain and, and you don't like seeing your dog in pain. You love the dog. And you go to the doctor and the doctor tells you that you're going to have to put the dog down. But you still have a little bit of time, you know, with the dog and, and you understand that this is probably the last bit of time you're going to be able to spend with him and you tr you try to make it work and... You, you just, you see he's in so much pain and you decide, you know what, you know, this is what's best for him. I'm, I'm glad he's going to go up to that dog heaven in the sky and, and be happy. And then suddenly, right when you're ready to put him down, he starts getting, you know, a little bit more of a spring in his step. Not like he was before, but just, you know, he's doing better. He's, he's, you know, he has enough life in him that you're like, well, you know, maybe, maybe things can turn around. Maybe it'll be different this time, but you know that... Whatever you know, he's still an old dog, and he's just gonna get sick again in the long run. And do you really want to put him and you through that one more time? That's what it feels like to be a Rocket fan right now. I don't know whether I want them to win this game. I it seems pretty clear to me that the corporate sponsors behind Rocket have all of the incentive to let this team fail. The team is succeeding in spite of no support from any of their uh, from the larger Rocket organization. I, I don't know what the point of having them exist as a, as a team anymore is. I mean, the players have got to be happy, right? Max, Lauren, and Betsy showing that they can indeed be LCS caliber players. You know, Hjarnan's getting his last ride, and that's good for him. And Wadid is there. And Wadid? Wadid? What, what, what were you going to say about Wadid? Let he's there. He's there. He, oh, he's he, there. That's he's, it. Uh, he's just there. He's, he's not... But, He's not the crux for their success. No, no. He is literally there. Maxlor is is the guy who's the crux of their success. Watch what Maxlor does in any game. If he's getting Betsy ahead, Rocket's going to stand a chance. Uh, and he is the guy who has uh, done a very good job around neutral objectives. He did, especially last week, uh, he had quite a few either Baron plays or, or Elder Dragon plays that stood out as particularly impressive. So, I, I don't know. I, I mean, this is a, a team that should not be in the spot that they're in right now where they are one series away from playing themselves out of relegation and giants i mean they've got significant problems of their own flaxish is a failed experiment at this point he oh, is not an lcs level ad carry you know knight is holding in there and now that he's playing some you know more roaming assassiny kind of mid laners he's looking better Memento is the crux of that team. I mean, Memento has been the guy sure. that's been making just about every major play for them. I, I mean, I don't... I mean, you you want to say Flaxish is not a failed experiment. You realize he has a 1.8 KDA, right? Like, literally, only Faxi and Satorius are worse? Flaxish is a failed experiment. This is These are teams that are bad in almost the exact same way, and one of them's got to move forward. One of them's going to win this game, and... I don't know. I... I 
I think deep down in my heart, I have to hope that it's Rocket. I have to believe that maybe one day the parent organization will care again and things will get better. I have to believe in that because otherwise, why am I even a fan anymore? Uh, shout out to you, Fly, if you're if you're still listening to this pod after all the things I've said about Rocket so far. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I have Rocket at minus 130 and I'm not feeling great about it, but... I mean, that's... I don't know why either one of these teams should be favored by anything more than that. Oh, well. So so you win the week is what you're telling me. Yes, Rocket stabs you in the back again, you foolish mortal. I was trying to do my best Jabba impersonation when Leia unfreezes Han from Carbonite. That I did it wrong. I should have done the hole. Yeah. Anyways, yep, you lose the week. Uh, I'm getting one more point on you. I'm coming up on your heels. This yeah. this isn't G2 where they're way up at the top and they're firm. Like, this is going to be a Unicorns of Love versus H2K slug fight well, for the uh, the final couple points. Yeah. Uh, you said Rock at minus 130. I copped out and said even. Oh. It is Giants. What? Minus 125. And can I just say... Last week, if you listened to the NA podcast, I was kind of disappointed in TSM. I, I Listening to you have to talk about Rocket like it's a dead dog. <laughs> like you're making Lassie and old Yeller references here. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, man, my problems are so first world. I'm like that 15-year-old girl that asked their dad for like a pink Range Rover and instead they get like a pink Mercedes. And I'm like, God damn, no, that's not what I wanted. Like, sometimes I feel like I'm throwing a temper tantrum, but then at the same time, I'm What do you like, think you've been doing since season five, Walter? You're just now realizing this? This is I mean, just now becoming a thing? I, I, I know I'm doing it, but you know what? <laughs> I don't care. Like, did, I you, don't care. did you see Winter Fox? Did you see Renegades? Have you seen Immortals for most of this year? Like, how is this just now? Well, man, I just realized that I've got first world problems compared to, to Chase. Okay, cool. Glad you realized that, buddy. I, I, I knew, I knew I had them, but the difference is, I just don't care. What's up? You're like, you're like, tears are just like, it's like mana for me. I'm just like, <laughs> I am so glad I'm not you. This is fantastic. Yeah. I feel great. This is amazing. What, what was the rocket line? Uh, Rocket is at minus 105. Like, the more you and your fan bases deteriorate, the stronger I become. Like, this is amazing. <sighs> And at the same time, not only am I a TSM fan, I got my best bro, Ocelot. His organization is just getting better and better and better. I just I just had that moment of just like pure evil in my head as you're having that story. Because I've heard that story before and the entire time I'm just like, yep, I'm a, I'm a dick. I am an awful <laughs> person. You know what? I don't care. Uh, much like I don't really care about this last game because Orion is playing in it. Um, Splice looked uh, looked pretty solid last week. Oh, the the Rocket Giants game. Chase, you want to go ahead and do the uh, the whole stay away thing? You want to do uh, that? Sure. Have that stay away! Don't you dare gamble on this! Don't you there dare! How did like no? Please no. Yeah, there we move go. on. <laughs> I'm gonna gamble against Rocket just so they win. Just so I get to torture you for another split as they survive. I it's really don't know whether it'd be better or worse if they got relegated. It's the worst. This is the worst. Let's just move Great. on. <laughs> Splice versus Orion. Uh, I don't really want to talk about Orion because we talked about him earlier, and um, I don't think they're going to win a series if they don't beat Vitality. So let's talk about Splice for just just a couple minutes. Yeah. Good friend Marty. Splice, Um, they took a game off of G2. They did. That's something. Yeah, it's something. I'm not sure how much of something it is. I think it's uh, a great example of how this team has built themselves off of the sidelines, and that's going to continue to be the case. You know, uh, in their victory, Wonder was by far the standout guy. When they're able to get him ahead, Splice looks really good. When Wonder gets attacked and ganked all the time and falls behind, Splice looked terrible. I mean, that's kind of where it is at this point. And more often than not, they're able to get Wonder ahead. That's where they put their resources. It's where they put their roams. I thought it was a very interesting adaptation from Splice to start playing the Gragas in the jungle. That's a champion on which Trashy is obviously far more confident. 
And while I'm not sure that Gragas really fits where the meta is right now, I think putting Trashy on a, a jungle champion on which he looks competent is better than whatever you call what he's been doing for most of the split. I, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, G2 properly recognized that if you want to make Senkux beat you, you're probably going to beat Splice. You know, if you let Kabi split push for days and, and, and do his, you know, his late wave pushing, he's very good at managing his waves and, and making sure there's constant pressure on whatever side of the map he's pushing. Uh, if you want to, uh, you know, uh, Mickey is really the playmaking focal point for Splice. You just don't want to let their side waves beat you. If you can keep the side waves down, congratulations. Now you're counting on Trashy and Senkux to be your win condition, and that's just not where Splice wants to be in any way, shape, or form. So clear strengths. I think strengths that they don't necessarily get as much credit for it as they deserve. I do think Wonder is very good. I do think that Mickey is very good. I think copy is good. I just, it's its unfortunate that where the meta is right now is so focused on, you know, either having these assassin mid laners or just very, you know, high carry potential from that position and, and having That's... a jungler that can snowball the game. And they have neither of those things, but they have everything else. But and see, in a that's, different that's... meta, that's going to be fine. That's the incredible part to me is in the Challenger series, that was Senkux. He was an Assassin player. Yeah, He well, was a LeBlanc and like RE2 trick and you were totally scared <laughs> of him playing Assassins. And yeah. if, if, if any moment, if there's going to be any moment where Senkux finally like snaps and figures it out, it's going to be in an Assassin meta. It 100% is. With heavy roaming Assassin. Uh, like you said, I like Trashy going to the Gragas. He's not the first person to do it. We've seen it over in Korea and China. Uh, Score from KT famously has been the one that's really been kind of popping it here and there uh, in Korea. Just as a personal thing, a lot of people just think the alt change just really harmed him as a jungler. Because when you're ganking, you need that really snap quick uh, engage. And that's why he's probably a bit better top laner right now. Is that As a top laner, you get a little bit more time to sort of pick and choose and you're most of the time coming into fights a hair later because you're teleporting. Yes. Um, but I don't think Origin has anything that they can do to attack the weaknesses of uh, of Splice. <laughs> no. as, as poor as you kind of say that Trashy and Senkux might look in the current meta, Nahoon and Syncroft, I don't think are the guys to take advantage of that. No. Uh, so <laughs> no, when all not. is said and done, Chase, where's the line? Uh, I had the line at Splice minus 400, and I probably went too low. You are so incredibly low that I almost don't want to say what the line is. Well, what was I your said, guess? I said splice minus three thirty three. So you are going to get a point, okay. even though you lose on me taking the cop out and calling for an even match between your favorite team and Giants. Uh, you still get a point back. So if I hadn't have done that, maybe you know it would have been a tie. I mean, I can't complain about it. that because I've done it to you before. So I'm just going to say that's a totally fair thing to do. Also, how dare you? But what's the I actual know. line? <laughs> Splice minus 1,250. Oh, yeah, it is. What's origin to then? Put it like this Splice getting a 2 0 is at minus 208. Origin is at plus 600. Okay. Yeah, there's not enough value on that. I don't disagree with the line. I think Origin is that bad. I mean, I yes, they won some maps, but they won them against some really terrible teams, and Splice is not a terrible team. They might not be a great team, but they're a good team. And Origin is historically bad. And hopefully, by the time you guys are listening to this, uh, either it's it will already have been out or it will be coming out soon. I wrote an article on who the worst teams in LCS history have been, and Origin right now is eyeing that number one spot. They're salivating for it. They just need to come up uh, with so no more victories for the rest of the split. So They're close. four series away. They're four terrible series away from becoming the worst team to ever play on the competitive stage, which right now, 1-17 and 17 Coast have got to be sweating in their boots if they had any self-respect well, or, or does, care about does any that of mean, things. Does that mean, because we have to pick two series here for smart money bets, yes. does that mean you don't want the Origin Vitality to go to three maps? No, because I think Vitality is that bad. So I think okay. uh, Vitality versus Origin going to three maps. Uh, um, and then I think the other one is going to be a three-map scenario. Which of these three games do you prefer for three maps? Fnatic versus Rocket at plus 130. 
H2K versus Unicorns of Love at plus 100, or G2 versus Misfits at plus 120? I'm going to say G2 versus Misfits at plus 120. I think that Rockat could just complete... Well, actually, no, let's do Rockat Fanatic, because I I think uh, Fanatic has some serious issues, and they're issues that... I, I think Rockat can exploit. I think Maxlor is the best part of Rockat right now, and all he has to do is counter jungle the hell out of Broxa one time. Just one game in which he keeps Broxa down entirely and lets Broxa freak out and rappel up in the Baron Pit for no reason so they can give away an objective for absolutely nothing. Not going to forget that one, Broxa. You, other people are going are gonna to forget that one in time, but man, I mean, you wimped out. Man, that I mean, was terrible. There you go. Our smart money bets. Origin versus Vitality take the plus two and a half maps at 110. Fnatic versus Rockat take the plus two and a half maps at plus 130. That is a podcast. Chase, you thought I was a smug TSM fan today. Well, you can always find out what a smug TSM fan I am at C80s underscore LOL. You can find Chase at Redshirt King. Love talking to you guys. Telling me I'm wrong for being a smug TSM fan and trying to rub in my face, you know, Cloud9 or some other prediction I messed up. But if you truly want the smuggest of smug TSM fans, just a little spoiler alert. Apparently someone is now the new number one seed in North America and Doublelift went, oh, and well, he went one and one. It was envious. It doesn't really count as a win. He didn't. (laughs) He didn't do bad. He did okay, but he's not enough to save Team Liquid's sinking, sinking relegation chances. So you want a super smug, Walter. Come back tomorrow. We'll talk North American LCS. T-S-M. T-S-M. Goodbye, Internet. Hey there, C80's here. Thanks for checking out the podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, consider supporting us at www.patreon.com backslash roughdraftspod. For just a dollar a month, you can join your fellow listeners in our patron-only Discord channel and help keep the content coming. Or join our VIP club, where a dollar a show or eight bucks a month gets you first priority on all patron content, like our patron-only Q&As. And check us out on all of our social media, Twitter, at RoughDraftsPod, Facebook.com, backslash RoughDraftsPod, SoundCloud.com, backslash EsportsRoughDrafts, as well as on iTunes and YouTube by just searching for the Rough Drafts Podcast. Thanks for listening, and goodbye, Internet.